Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. I'm Chris Clark, the host for Wide Awake today, and joining me again in the studio is Chase Iflin, Minister of Community and Connection, and Jeff Lawrence, Lead Pastor of Redemption Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing well. I didn't actually have a birthday, though. You did this week. Happy birthday. I did. I had a birthday. It was a fun—I don't typically do birthday weeks, but it was a birthday week. I got to go see Pearl Jam in concert, which was super fun, and then I got to play some live music in— at one of our favorite spots in downtown Edmond. So, fun week. That was good. Weather is beautiful this morning, so started the day working outside, and good start to the week. Nice. All right, well, good stuff. Well, we are this week talking about being bold with our worship in front of people who do not believe in God. Coming out of Acts, it's interesting. Most, you know, even when I think about our world, so often people, honestly, I think most are just indifferent to what we think about God and what's going on. Some maybe are hostile to the church, to the idea of someone trying to impose their views on someone else. And in the midst of that world, we're called to worship God in a way that's compelling and attractive and winsome to the watching world. So we want to dialogue around that um, a little bit today. Yeah, so we're working through the book of Acts as a church, and we come to Acts 2 where we have this amazing historical moment. You've got 120 of Jesus' disciples. They're gathered together together. And then something crazy happens. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. There's a sound like a mighty wind. There's tongues of fire from heaven that come down. They divide. They they sit on each of the people in the room. Uh, God's Spirit came into them. And then the very next thing we see them do is they go out into the street and they declare the mighty works of God. And we don't know exactly what they're what they're saying, what they're declaring, but it seems likely that they're they're praising God, they're praying, they're singing, they're they're quoting scripture. Can I just say, like, as a as somebody who's followed Christ for a couple decades now, every time I read this story, it trips me out. I just it is a bizarre scene when you try to picture it. I'm surprised nobody's done a movie yet, like a like a total descriptive movie of this scene, you know? Yeah. I've actually seen a painting that was like 50 yards long of this, of this scene that was amazing in, uh, in the city of Dallas, the museum of uh, biblical art there. And Mm. uh, it was pretty amazing just depiction of what this would feel like. And you got to think if you're experiencing that, you never get over that moment. There's something that you never would recover from, from what happened. And, you know, as I, as I think about this and think about worship and a watching in the watching world around it that, it that got to see and experience some of this or the results of this, uh, you know, it's amazing that, and I think the order here is really important. It didn't start with men. It started with God. Mm-hmm. God initiated this. This was a God-compelled act uh, that took place, and they are responding to who God is and to what God has done and simply declaring who he is to others. And we think of this idea of witness so often it takes on this like, you know, door-to-door salesman thing or it takes on this, you know, political cramming my my views down your throat sort of a thing or, you know, just this I'm going to impose my worldview upon others thing. When you look at what the church and, and this and this is the the launch of the church that Jesus is sending the spirit to launch this 
whole new era of, of what happened and what we experienced at church as a result of that moment in time. And when you think about that, this was God's idea. And God showed up and did something that they were sitting around in a room, 120 people, waiting on the Lord to do something. They weren't sure exactly what was coming. And God descended upon them and did something miraculous. And so their witness initially began with their worship. And it was a response to what God, what God was doing in them. And I, I love uh, just reading this week. Was reading through some Tim Keller stuff about uh, about this whole episode. And Tim Keller got me thinking, which is what usually happens when I read Tim Keller. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the content of what they declared was important. It was the wonders of God. And we can't be shy about who God is. We can't be shy about what God has done, and, and we because we believe something amazing is has taken place, and that God so loves people and so desires people that He wants to make His presence known in us. That's astounding, and uh, and uh, and Keller actually quoted Edmund Clowney, who wrote, "The gospel message is celebration before it is communication," mm. and I love that quote. It's so good, Jeff. It makes me think of, you know, a, a ton of the Psalms uh, that you read that's just this exclamation of praise from David or the psalmist. Um, and you can just, you get this feeling as you read through the Psalms that it's not just words on a page. It's coming out of a life that is just completely enamored by God and what he's done. And so like Psalm 105 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all of his wondrous works with an exclamation point, right? It's like he's shouting this glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice again with ex- exclamation points. It's like you just get the feeling that there's a, a man just shouting from the hill saying, look what God has done, right? Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his presence continually, exclamation point, you know? And I just love that in the Psalms. So, Jeff, what does that look like in our world today? What does it look like for us to give thanks to the Lord, to call upon his name, and then to turn around and make known his deeds among the peoples? I think that's a question. It's interesting that Psalms brings that up. You see it in Acts 1. That, you know, Jesus tells his disciples they're to wait for the Holy Spirit because they're being called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so this whole thing is outwardly focused. And it starts with the descent of the Spirit, and then the, the ascent of the church should flow out of that and go to, to, to proclaim his goodness to the whole world. But the, a lot of times what we, what we know is the world doesn't care. Yeah. Um, to some degree about who kind of what we think. And so it's going to have to be something that's compelling to them, but it's also going to take the presence of God to do something um, that, that we're not, that we have no capacity to do, which is why Jesus says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, mm-hmm. because this mission is something you can't accomplish in your own strength and, and you can't accomplish in, in your, own, uh, your own wisdom. And I think there's some self-awareness the church needs in this at times. And we talk self-awareness in our own personal lives. We talk self-awareness in kind of leadership books and different things and the importance of self-awareness and recognizing how am I impacting those around me? How are others perceiving me? But I think there's a spiritual version of that that the church needs as well. We need to be self-aware of the people around us and how we're impacting them in the interactions in which we have. And so we need to be careful to worship in such a way that people who do not share our beliefs can be present with us, listening to us, watching us, and and, and watching our worship 
and we want them to be inquisitive and curious. We want to pique their interest. You see the responses in Acts 2, and there's one group that goes, what is happening? Yeah. And they're asking questions. How do we, how do we make sense out of what's going on? And then there's a, there is another group that go, you know, is kind of mocks them and goes, man, they must be getting some early morning wine in and <laughs> you know, loading up a little bit. These people seem a little crazy, and they're mocking, and they're very much rejecting uh, kind of what they're seeing in God's people. And I think we need to have some self-awareness about how we're operating. But there's a there's an interesting thing. I want to just hear what you guys are thinking as, as we're talking because – there is this distinctiveness that they're doing something that seems pretty unique. Yeah. Um, but there's also there also needs to be an attractiveness to that. There's, there's, a, there's a story that comes to mind, um, thinking about my time in California as a, a person in his young 20s. I moved there, I think, at 20. 20. Um, and I remember walking in Farmer's Market in downtown San Luis Obispo and seeing this band playing on the street. And there were there was a church banner next to it. And I immediately thought, oh, this is just going to be like some cheesy church music. And I stopped and I listened to these guys and they sounded amazing. And they were they were playing what I what I thought was worship music, but it sounded very different and it was appealing to me. And like they, they weren't like, they just kind of looked like the culture, you know, but they were declaring truth about God. Well, I visit the church the next week and there is just a sea of young people with like arms raised, just going after it in worship. Like I've never seen before. And I think about that story because you know, they could have been out on the street, like lifting hands and doing their church thing out on the street corner. And that probably would have set me off. I probably would not have been curious and wanted to see more. But there was something about their engagement with the culture on the street. And then when I walked into the church, I saw that they were seeking the Lord in a way that I had never seen before. And it made me like hungry for more. Like what's making these people tick, you know, like what, what's, what's causing this kind of expression of worship in them. And so as you're talking, it's just making me think, like, how do we have awareness of how we're worshiping in our world, but also worshiping in our churches, right? And so there's this kind of nuance of, like, people are going to walk through the doors of our church, but they're also going to be watching us on the street. Yeah, and it's interesting to think that, you know, even as you kind of unpack that that experience that you had, you had questions, and then there was a next step of, I want to know more. And then there was an experience of that where it felt like the presence of God was there, and there was something compelling that you're like, well, I want to know more about this, and you continue to move towards that. And I think that oftentimes is what happens, especially in a culture that that is largely indifferent or hostile to Christianity, is that it's going to take a process of people having their interest peaked through a conversation, through a relationship, through... Uh, something they go, man, that person's convinced about something that I don't understand and I want to know more. And, and that person has some convictions about some things that I, I want to understand what's behind that or what what's driving that. And and there's a there's a winsomeness that continues to make them want to know want to know more and explore more. 
So as much as my story is about music and worship, like I think we have to state some obvious things here. And like, let's zoom out from worship as maybe the thing that we all assume is like the music that we play at church on a Sunday. I'm a worship pastor. So, um, you know, most of the time when I say that to somebody, I'm a worship leader, they just assume, they just picture like, oh, that's the guy that leads a band on stage. But it means so much more to me. And you can't just say all that when you meet somebody, right? Because worship is much more than just the music we play on Sunday. So let's talk about that for a minute. You know, I think we, you're right. I think we, we think when we hear worship, we think bands and brands and celebrities and, you know, which, you know, which genre are you in and who are the, who are you tracking with in the broader worship scene? And that language is, is such an insider language of the, you know, the, the worship leaders and people that are all into that realm feel. But when you think of, of scripture, it's so much bigger than that. And it's so much more compelling. I think what Acts, what we see in Acts 2 is so much more compelling. It's interesting that you've got uh, likely 120 of Jesus' disciples, men and women of, of every stripe, and they're together and they're waiting, and God descends upon all of them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's interesting to me in that passage that it likely appears as one flame that divides and that it literally says that the, that the tongues of fire set down upon each one of them. And you think of what what that message communicates, that Jesus at the very launch of his church says, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and it will be better when uh, when I'm gone because you will have the very presence of God with you to help you. And it descends individually on each of them, and they begin to proclaim. This wasn't about a celebrity. This wasn't about, now Peter's going to get up and answer the questions in a little bit, and he's definitely going to preach a sermon. But... The, the declaring of God's works came through the entire entire community there. And I think that's that, that that's an amazing thing to recognize. And and it says, you know, I think they started in the in the house and they immediately went out into the streets mm-hmm. and began to proclaim good news to those that were around them. The, the point of Acts two is that that God has made his presence known in believers. And not just those one hundred and twenty, it actually spread through there so that Every one of us who's a believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit living within us. And the Holy Spirit is our helper, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to share the good news. And that ought to blow our minds and, and, and ought to give us comfort. It ought to give us assurance that God loves us enough that He wanted to be present in us and that God is going to, to work through us. And so the, the, the mission of the church isn't going to be thwarted. It's going to continue even in a world that is indifferent or hostile, as we've said. God's word is still going to go out. The gospel is powerful to bring about salvation. I think part of our job is to to look at this event in Acts 2 and, and say, what is that model for us about how we need to live? And to me, it's, it's, it's amazing that God, at the very beginning, launched the church and said, I'm going to empower you to do this, and Jesus and his spirit. And, and then Jesus wanted to make sure that as the church got started, that the word was going to be heard by people of all nations. And so there's people, it says, gathered from all around the world, all around the known world at that time in the city, and they proclaim it, and they proclaim it in languages they can hear, which means that that God wanted to make sure they each heard the gospel in their own language, that the, the heart dialect that they loved, they got to hear the good news in in that language. And I think that's that's something we need to think about. Mm. How do we communicate the gospel to a watching world in, in a language that they can hear and that they can understand and they can begin to 
be interested or increase their interest in the good news about who God is and what God has done in order to have a relationship with them. And we can proclaim, you know, God is near to you. And, and and proclaim that Jesus has made a way for you to be in a restored relationship with God who created you yeah. and who designed you and who made you and loves you. And so there, there's an opportunity for us to, to, I think, take what Acts 2, what we see in Acts 2, and think, how do we communicate truth in a way that's compelling and in language that they can that they can receive that? And that to me is is a mission worth giving myself to. And that's just it. Like, as, that's why I brought up that story earlier of the music. And as much as we're saying worship isn't just about music and brands and all of that, there was something that was compelling. There was a language in that expression of music that was happening on the street that I I heard and understood, and it was compelling and it drew me in and made me want to know more. And so I, I think that's always been a picture for me, not just musically, but like in all of life. How do I have those compelling conversations? How do I speak in a language that might reach somebody who may not set foot in a door? You know? And you know what's, what's cool about that for me is, as I hear you talk is because you are a musician and there was a language, there was a communication through that vehicle of music that communicated to your your heart language, some something that was compelling and wanted you, made you want to explore. And when we think about this episode of 120 diverse people all experiencing the Holy Spirit and then all going out and declaring it, and it's pretty clear from the text that they weren't clearing it in one way. They were all doing their own thing in some ways, but they're all proclaiming one message. So cool. And how cool is that at the launch of the church? And to think about the implications for us, for all the people that are in our church or in the church in our city, the church around the world— and the uniqueness of that, that God's Spirit descended and, and, and enlivened them and, and takes the unique way that He made them and brings about an expression so that they can be witnesses. And, and you know, for our church, I get excited about that yeah. because people are going to go out and they ripple throughout our whole city. And they're going to have different expressions, but those expressions are going to be compelling to the people of our city and, and draw them in and make them want to pursue something um, in terms of understanding who is this God that you are, that you keep you keep talking about? Yeah, it's really cool to to think about it that way. Uh, I, I'm a really practical person. I want to end this podcast with like give give me two steps to go live this out or whatever. But uh, the fact of the matter is that we all have to live this out with our own wiring and our own language. Mm. Chris can live this out in the art scene, but I can't do that. Um, and so. It, yeah, like it's just a challenge to go and, and do the things you enjoy doing. If it's having someone over for dinner, if it's watching football, if it's you know going fishing, it's it's go do those things. And then as you're doing those things, do those things as worship, and then invite others into uh, a knowing God in the process. And you know when I when I look at Acts two, um, just kind of kind of sink the nail on what you're saying. You know, they all expressed it in their own way, but there was a specific content. They had one message. Mm -hmm. There's one gospel. There's one good news of God's mighty deeds of salvation that have come. And they, and then there was one presence. There's a presence of one God with each of them. And so that's the interesting thing. You have this diversity of lots of different ways. So Chase, you know, don't undersell, don't, you know, don't sell yourself short. Like you may have some arts in there somewhere, <laughs> um, but you know, but we all know Chris is going to be much more of the feeler in the group. And uh, but in our own way, in our own kind of unique, diverse ways, there still is. There's one spirit, and there's one message, and there's one call that we 
that we get to share together. And I love the the unity of that in the midst of the diversity of the church. And it's a beautiful picture. And we're going to, as we walk through the book of Acts, we're going to see that um, and as we get in Acts 2, how they shared all things and, and were together in all things and continue to meet uh, to, to worship in the temple, but also kind of house to house and just how that impacted um, an entire community. And it said, the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. And that's the heartbeat behind all this. Thanks again for listening to Wide Awake. Wide Awake is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If what we talked about today resonated, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 1030 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.